Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. All right, it is Friday, February the 18th, and I am here with my good friend, Michael Zuber. How are you, Michael? I'm doing great, man. Thanks again for doing these every Friday. It actually allows me to go back and look at my daily content and go, hey, what are the top four or five things that we should be thinking about as we head into the weekend? So I I look forward to this. I do as well. You know, doing a Friday financial wrap up of all the news, um, it's a nice way to just even when you're super busy, just a quick way to kind of summarize where are we? Where are we in economic cycles and news cycles? So let's get right into it. Let's talk about retail sales. What happened in retail sales this week? Yeah, so the big number of the week was retail sales. Every weekend, I tell you what the next, the big economic number of the next week is going to be, and it was retail sales. Uh, this was going to be an important one because December came in weak. And it was like, is January going to be a continuation? And we're heading into maybe a very near-term recession. And lo and behold, uh, retail sales came in strong. It came in much stronger than expected. From memory, I think expectations were 2%. And it came in at 3.8%. So nearly double the expectations. Now, something if you're watching my channel, we should always understand real versus nominal a lot of the economic numbers that are reported week by week are nominal, meaning, hey, this is the number, and it's not adjusted for inflation. So if you are going to take a nominal number of 3.8 and use the published 7.5 CPI, it's actually a negative number, right? We're not actually buying more stuff. It's just the stuff we are buying is more expensive. Uh, and we don't have to argue about CPI being a good or bad number. Just realize that a retail sales number of 3.8 in a 7.5 inflationary environment is probably not as strong as the number actually looks. So real versus nominal probably has never been more important to understand. Very, yeah, very true. And not only that, but it's a rear view mirror. It's what's happened in the past. It's recent, but it doesn't necessarily say this is where we're going or where we're headed. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So speaking of where we're headed, let's talk about consumer sentiment. And let's talk about specifically with the rich. What do you see in there this week? Yeah, so if you watched our wrap up last week, we got a consumer sentiment number that was scary, right? I don't. I think it was like it was a sixty-one on an expectation of sixty-eight. It was a it was a number we had seen since the depths of the Great Recession. So bad, bad, bad. So what I did after we talked last Friday is I spent the weekend kind of digging into the report, and the number is even worse than the headline. Uh, Households uh, with uh, incomes over $100,000, which I'm gonna call rich, you can argue whether that is or is not rich, certainly good incomes. The households over 100 grand were particularly concerned. And if you think the households over 100 grand have the most disposable income, which I happen to think they do, that's probably not a good sign going forward. Remember, though, that consumer sentiment can send false signals. I feel like not going to a party, but you actually go. So somebody feeling like they're not going to go shopping, they could still end up shopping. So 
sentiment is a interesting me metric, but I was really intrigued by how I'm going to call it scared, nervous, apprehensive, the rich or the hundred K families were feeling. And it just goes to show that I, I, I do think there's a recession in the offing if the, the consumer sentiment leads to consumers stop spending. Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, you know, I know we've talked about, and I feel like you've called it, everything that we're seeing beginning to unfold with interest rates, mm -hmm. everything with housing, the slowing down, uh, obviously inventory is still very tight, mm -hmm. but absolutely, you've been calling this for the last six, nine months. So yep. let's talk, talk about uh, Wall Street. So in terms of, I know everybody knows, maybe I think this will be a good setup of mm -hmm. what is a bull market? Mm -hmm. And specifically for this week with the stock market and Wall Street, what is a bear market and where do you see us at right now? Well, here, here's the deal. When you think about a bear market, bear markets have historically been caused by two factors. This is what people need to appreciate. This is historical information. History is not a guarantee of the future, but it, it's an indication. So bear markets are caused by two things. And I want you to think about if those two things are happening today. One. Federal Reserve go, starts to tighten and raise rates. Historically, when the Fed does that, the party's over, easy money's over, asset prices decline, including the stock market. There is a second indicator that has historically precipitated or was before a bear market, and that is the onset of war. Mm. Right? There's some... Um, Interesting things going on over in Europe, specifically between Russia and the Ukraine. We should not forget that China and Taiwan could equally go that direction. Uh, that they're, the world order, the world kind of balance is, is kind of balancing on a, on a pen and we could get into uh, a war. And again, remember war and Fed tightening. I couldn't imagine what would happen if it kicked off at the same time, but those two things have uh, been indications that a bear market might be on us. And I, I, you know, I think the NASDAQ's down 18, 19% from the peak. So I, and many stocks are down 70%. So uh, a bear market is, uh, is out there, I think. Yeah. And just describe for the viewers, maybe people that don't, you know, um, follow the stock market per se, over the last how many years have we been in a very bullish market, meaning a market that's climbing and easy money, people are making money, the stocks are growing like crazy. How long have we been in this bull market? I would say the bull market probably started, um, I'm going to call it, I'm just going to say between 2006 and 2008. So let's just split the difference, call it 2007. I don't remember when the actual bottom was. Uh, but yeah, I I think the S&P bottomed at like 668 or something. And this morning it was near 4,600. So I think it's been about 12 or 13 years uh, that we've had a bull market. That's historically speaking, a pretty long bull market. Yeah. Also too, the interest rates seem to, I mean, there's little blips, but it, if you look at over the last 10 or 12 years, I mean, the interest rates have kind of literally gone to the floor, right? Oh, we've had a 40 year. If you step back and look at the last 40 years, interest rates have been down since the early 80s, peaking at, I, I did a 50 year report and I think they peaked in 81 at 16 something. Uh, and, and they've been, you know, nothing but down and, and we've clearly turned the quarter. Uh, owner OCK loans now over 4%, investor loans over 5%, non-QM money over 5%. Uh, it is getting more expensive. The cost of money is going up. 
Absolutely. We want to keep our eye on that. So let's talk about with Russia. You mentioned it a little bit. You talked about China and Taiwan. I know, obviously, the headlines seem to not be blowing up, but there are headlines mm-hmm. about Russia. What are your thoughts and kind of how how should we as real estate investors be watching that and navigating mm-hmm. or making decisions? Yeah, with, with this conflict, what I often look to is the bond market, right? The bond market is far deeper than the stock market. People talk about the stock market. That's where the everyday investor is, right? 401ks, pensions, all of that. But the deep money, the smart money is in the bond market. And right now the bond market, and I talked about it this morning on my daily financial news, it's telling you that the bond market thinks Russia will invade. There will be conflict. That's what the bond market is saying. I don't want it. I'm not trying to predict it. I'm just saying the bond market says it's coming. And how can I say that? Well, rates went down, prices went up. People only go to the bond market. They force the 10-year treasury from, I think, like a peak of 2.04 to under 1.95, which doesn't sound like a lot. But let me just tell you, scared money rushes to liquidity. And right now, when you're scared, you you move to the 10-year treasury. And um, that's what, because if the bond market, if we weren't scared about a potential invasion, uh, rates would be over 2%, right? The Fed is clearly coming out saying they're going to raise, they're going to tighten. March could be a half a point, followed by more rate Fed, Fed rates. Uh, but right now, the bond market is saying, we don't trust Russia. We think Russia is going to invade. I, you know, I hope I'm reading it wrong, clearly, but that's not what I see. If we flip this over to real estate, which is what we're all about, one is, uh, it might give you a, a reprieve, a sh- very, very short-term reprieve, because again, rates went down uh, today and yesterday, actually. Uh, so we'll see if that ripples through with repricing in the mortgage market, like Matt, the mortgage guy that I talk to on every Wednesday. So you do have a little window. Uh, and if there is a conflict, what we should see, I, I would suspect rates would go down, at least in the short term, where we figure out how big, how much is this going to lead to NATO forces doing this or that? Is it going to be sanctioned? Is it going to be finger waving? What is it going to be? Uh, but yeah, if it happened, it um, it will send shock waves uh, immediately through the bond market. Very interesting times. Let's look forward for this year. We've talked a lot about a real estate market slowdown. Mm-hmm. We've talked about interest rates climbing, obviously mm-hmm. a, a recession that seems to be on the doorstep, um, obviously. And now you have, you know, war conflict. Mm-hmm. So with that said, what is your thoughts about inventory pricing opportunities for our real estate investors out there? It's going to be, a, it's going to, this is going to be the year where you're going to be rewarded for doing the work. 2020 was impossible. 2021 was hard. 2022, you're going to be able to find those motivated sellers. I think there's a lot of owner occupants that are flying off the market that didn't buy last year. They're buying now. I think that stuff burns itself out, right? You're going to have a lot of buyer regret, a lot of FOMO going on, which will lead to, I'm thinking around May, May 15th, it's just going to settle down. Rates are going to be where they're going to be. Uh, And then we're going to find out who really needs to sell. But here's the deal. This is the wrinkle that I want all real estate agents and real estate investors to realize. Rising rates, everybody thinks rising rates hurts demand. And it does. But here's the wrinkle that we've never seen before, at least in my lifetime. Rising rates will constrain supply. How can that be? Very simple. Usually, the most of the people that are selling are moving somewhere else. 
And if you are holding on to a house today with a two and a half or 2.75 loan, and you want to trade up, and suddenly you need a four and a half percent loan, and the purchase price is 200 grand more, your payment could theoretically double. Not a lot of people are going to sign up for that. So we are going to be living through an environment for the next couple of years where real estate transactions are down. Real estate agents, real estate brokers, beware. Your transactions are going down. We did 6.14 million transactions last year. It would not shock me if we're at 5.2 or 5.3. Now, depending on where you're at, that's a lot or a little. But if, if you looked at your business last year, what would happen if 20% less transaction happened? I think every real estate agent, every investor needs to ask that question. Yeah, so spot on. And you know, and you've been calling it that way. And it's interesting. We've been preparing our community, foundation builders, people in squad up, people that are in the mentorship, one rental at a time community to prepare for this mm -hmm. because this could be potentially winter where you need to have your wood stacked. You need to have your resources, i.e. cash, credit, yeah. availability and ready to go because opportunities are coming when you are prepared. So yeah, yeah, yeah. let me just say on that because what is gonna happen because if you don't have to sell, so first off, if you, if you don't wanna move up because your payment's gonna double, you'll just remodel your home. You'll just stay put. You'll make your current home nicer. Second, we must realize that life happens to everyone. Death, divorce, illness, job transfers, all of these things. Right, we're still going to have 5 million transactions, 5.2, 5.3 million. There's still transactions being done. Yep. As a real estate investor, to your point of being ready, you are going to find motivated sellers. And if you have cash, you can get a deal. If you can work out creative financing, you can get deals. You can do seller. There will be lots of creative deals done today. It won't only be about price. In Q1, the quarter we're in right now, very much price. I talked to Jeb Smith, uh, earlier this week, an Orange County broker, he listed a house for 850, sold for 1.15. Cash wins today. Price wins today. I think we get to May-ish. Um, it won't only be price. It'll be, you know, terms and whatnot, because all the buyers will already be burned out. Prices will be higher. Rates will be higher. Affordability down. It'll be time for the creative folks. Uh, that's what I'm getting ready for. I love it. I couldn't agree with you more. I'm excited. We're preparing our communities um, 100%. And for people, you know, agents and brokers, you think about, can you afford 20% less transactions? Now is the time to be retooling new strategies, new tactics, yeah. new tools to expand during this time that could be shrinking. That's mm -hmm. the golden opportunity for all of us. So, yeah. Michael, thank you so much for all you share. Um, I know that in the future, too, we're going to be also doing a little bit of Q&A about just day-to-day -day operations and what Michael does with sure. his rental portfolio. As always, we have the two great books here, One Rental at a Time and Conversations with Real Estate Millionaires. If you, again, I, felt I we gave away in our community, we gave away uh, three, more, three more packages of books. So um, thank you, Michael, for that. I want to thank our audience. If you've received the book, if you've bought the book, Please go on to Amazon. Give this man a five-star review. Michael, thank you for all that you do. Appreciate your time today. Have a great weekend. Take care.